Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Thank you, Marcus. Good morning, South Valley. How are you guys today? Got some extra sleep today. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I enjoyed that. My, my kids forgot to, you know, sleep in though. Um, so I, I'm, I'm still catching up on some Z's today. Welcome to, to South Valley. My name is Ricky Hemi. Thanks for joining us in person. Thank you for joining us today online. And will you guys help me thank the worship team for leading us this morning? They're doing an amazing job. I appreciate them so much. Last week on this campus, we had an exciting week last week because we wrapped up the Daniel series, which was awesome, which I just totally loved. And then we came back to the campus in the evening and we celebrated our candy walk. We had 3,000 guests at our candy walk this year, which was absolutely incredible. We had 165 volunteers, over 50 cars. And did you guys see those cars? How awesome were our volunteers, those who decked out their cars? Yeah, thank you guys so much for doing that. I want to show you guys really quickly a little video highlight of Candy Walk, and then I want to announce the winners of the cars. So some of you, you you decked out your cars because you just wanted to win. And so we're, we're going to reward you with that. So check out the screens. Check out what we did at Candy Walk. What an awesome time. What an amazing event. So I want to announce our winners today. So we had a, we, all of you who participated and decked out your cars, you guys did an amazing job. My kids actually, so they were with me and they took a few laps around the candy walk. I just got to be honest with you. Mainly because they went, not because the candy, uh, I, we, we took candy walk candy and then donated it the next day to our neighborhood uh, through uh, trick-or-treating. So, um, but uh, your guys' cars were amazing. Three cars though, there were three that stood out the most according to those who voted. So people who went through the candy walk, they got to text in their votes for the three cars that stood out the most. And so I'm gonna announce those right now. Number three, third place is a car that I thought was, it was quite amazing. And I really appreciated the fact that they were trying to sell you on voting them. And that is the Morshead family with Scooby-Doo. Let's give it up for the Morshead family. Yeah. Got a gift card and some goodies for you guys. You guys looked amazing. You were, you were awesome. 
so that was third place. Our second place car, uh, this was another exciting car. There was, there was a lot to it. Um, one of my favorite things about it was there was this door there that represented what happened in this movie. In second place, we had Allison and Amanda with Monsters, Inc. I don't know if you guys are here this morning or not, or you'll be at the next service. Yeah, you guys here? You get, oh no, okay, well, we'll get it to you. So yes, with Monsters, Inc., that was one of my kids' personal favorites. So thank you guys so much for that. And then finally, our winner today, uh, they happened to be the winners last year. Uh, they won with a pirate setup last year. This year they won with a whole circus theme. We have Pamela Smith and crew. Let's give it up for the circus theme. Do we have any of you guys who wanna come accept that today? So those are our winners. You guys did an amazing job. Thank you so much for your hard work. And uh, you had a muscle shirt on. Um, you, you, you still look buff today, just so you know. You look, you look good. You look good. So that's that. Great job, everybody. That was an amazing time. We cannot wait to do it again next year. And we're going to make plans to, to make it even better next year. We're learning a new, a new way of doing this. Reagan and her crew did an awesome job, and so we're so grateful for her. Yeah, and, and cannot thank her enough. And next year, we're going to make it even better. It was, it was awesome. So uh, we're going to shift gears right now because we're in a new uh, sermon series, just a three-week series. Three weeks in this, and then we're, we're going to talk about Advent. It is almost the end of the year, okay? 2023 is right around the corner. So we got three weeks in this series called Rooted Rhythms. And then right after this three-week series, we're going to do a four-week Advent series ending with a Christmas special. It's going to be awesome. We already have some amazing plans for you guys. But as this year kind of starts to come to a close, we're in November right now. Can you guys believe that? It's November. One thing that I like to do towards the end of every year is, is I like to kind of give, you know, try to assess myself. Okay, did I, did I accomplish the goals that I set out to accomplish this year? Did, am, I, uh, am I better physically right now than I was at the beginning of the year? Because we always have physical goals when we start off the year. Have I met any of those goals? Am I living a disciplined life? Or am I not living a disciplined life? Am, am, am I becoming the man that I feel like God is calling me to be or have I fallen off the wagon somewhere? And, and, and assessment is good, not because we want people to feel bad about themselves, but assessment is good because it helps you feel like, okay, this is where I need to grow. This is what can change. And then you, you know, you could surround yourself with accountability. You could put some steps together to get you to where you want to be. So uh, this last year, um, think about your own life. We are almost in December. It is almost 2023. How has this year gone for you? Are you becoming the person that you want to be? Have you grown? Have you fallen back? What have you seen in your life? Now, life has obviously been complicated over the last few years. Can I get an amen? Life has not been easy these last few years. But here's the thing. In Jesus, we can grow no matter what comes our way. Did you guys, do you guys believe that this morning? Okay, Paul says it this way. He says, I can do all things through what? Christ who strengthens me. He says that in the context of living with plenty and living with little. So he's saying, hey, in seasons of plenty, I, I could succeed. In seasons of little, I, I can succeed. When life is good, when it's all cupcakes and rainbows, as my daughter Blake would say, I can grow. And when life is hard, I can still grow. When I have plenty, I can grow. When I go through seasons of want, I 
can grow. In the good times, I could grow. And even in the bad times, the hard times, I can still grow because I'm connected to Jesus Christ. And Jesus gives us strength in every season to grow. We grow in the good times. We grow in the bad times. We grow through it all because we are connected to Jesus Christ. Actually, if you ever read the book of Psalms, Psalm 1 starts with a picture of what it looks like to remain connected to God through his word. And it compares the the believer who trusts in the Lord and no matter what comes their way, they're compared to a tree planted by streams of water. And that tree could go through, you know, fruitful, amazing seasons. And that tree can also go through seasons of drought. But no matter what hits that tree, that tree prospers in everything that it does because it is connected to God. You can prosper in whatever you go through, whatever comes your way, you can prosper if you are connected and remain connected to Jesus. That's why Jesus invites us to abide in him. Another way to translate that is remain in me, stay in me, no matter what comes your way, no matter how hard things get, remain in me, stay in me, and you will prosper in everything that you do. I promise you that. Well, in this series, Rooted Rhythms, we're going to talk about uh, the seven rhythms of the Rooted curriculum, actually. So how many of you went through our Rooted series uh, just this last round? We had 170 of you going through Rooted. We're going to be graduating you guys here pretty soon. Uh, Actually, November 20th, mark your calendars, celebration in this place. We're going to see a ton of baptisms, lots of testimonies. We're going to celebrate what God did uh, through our Rooted program this this fall. But uh, for those of you who have gone through Rooted or going through it now, finish it up, you know that there are these seven rhythms. We're going to talk about those over the next three weeks. These rhythms are rhythms that help us grow, help us remain connected to God, help us remain connected to each other. And they, they, they're, they're part of, they're just some of the fundamentals of the Christian walk. And so that's what we're going to talk about for this series, uh, just three weeks on those seven rhythms. Today's topic is daily devotion, and I'll talk a little bit also about prayer. The sermon is titled, Enjoy Your Bible. So I'm going to pray for us and we'll jump into it. Will you guys pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for South Valley. And uh, I just, I'm always so full of joy when I come into this place. It doesn't matter what I might be feeling throughout the week or what may be hitting me even the morning before I get here. When, when I walk into this place, I could be tired. I could be whatever I might be feeling when I see these faces, when I, when I hear these songs and when I open up to you, I just, I just sense that you are here. You're with us and you're for us. Some of us need to be reminded today that you're, that you're for us. Life can be hard at times. And, and in the hard times, it's easy to, to look at the loss or to grieve over uh, mistakes made or to grieve over the past. And, and, and the reality is you, you grow us even in the hard times. Actually, you may grow us the most through the hard times, but we only grow when we remain in you. When we abide, we bear fruit. That's the invitation you give us, Jesus. You invite us to remain in you. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who hear from you, honor you, love you, trust you, even when it's hard. And when we're struggling, that we'd open up about it to others and just know that you have our back in this church. This church is a community of believers that has each other's back. So be with us as we open your word today. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Now, uh, with the holidays coming, my absolute favorite thing about the holidays is food. Anybody else? 
Can I get an amen, right? Like, it's all about like, okay, I'm so happy to see my family, but I'm really happy that they bring food with them, okay? I, love, I just love food. I, I, I could eat food all day. Uh, actually, I'm the kind of person who exercises just so that I could eat more food, okay? That's why I exercise, just because I, I love food. I, and I love all kinds of food. It doesn't matter what kind of food you put in front of me. I will, I will eat just about anything, because I'm a foodie, and so are my kids. My kids, well, except for Johnny. Johnny will eat, you know, crackers and pasta, and that's about it. Blake and me, we are foodies. Well, I, I, today, and I just enjoy food. Today, as we talk about enjoying your Bible, I want you to picture enjoying Scripture like you enjoy some of your favorite food. Now, some of you might be thinking, like, that's, that's a weird comparison. But, in fact, in, in, in the Bible, writers in Scripture often compare their desire for scripture to their desire for food. In fact, the, the longest chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 119, is all about someone's craving for the Bible. Listen to what he says about his craving for the Bible. Psalm 119, 130, or 103, he says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. God, I, I crave your word more than I crave you know, a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts in the morning. I crave you. And by the way, why don't we have Krispy Kreme out here? Someone needs to do something about that. And we need Chick-fil-A, but at least we have In-N-Out. So I crave your word more than I crave In-N-Out. Listen to Psalm 119, uh, 97. Oh, how I love your law. That's the scriptures. It's my meditation all day. Psalm 119, over and over again, he talks about how much he just loves hearing from God through his word. We hear from God through his word. We communicate with God through prayer. That's what he loves. He loves to spend time with God. He meditates on it all day. Okay, this sounds like you know, a teenager with a crush. Okay, like, like I can't get you out of my head. I can't stop meditating on you throughout the day. You, you are on my mind all day long. I just can't get you out of my mind. That's what the Psalmist says in Psalm 119. It says this in verse 72. The law of your mouth is better than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I'll take your word over riches any day. That's what the psalmist says. Okay, he craves the word like honey. He thinks about the word like you would a crush. He, he desires the word more than riches because he knows the benefits of walking with Jesus, trusting Jesus, living life according to his word. There is blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing when you walk through this life with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and your guide in this world. Do you guys believe that this morning? There is amazing blessing. Well, I think it's safe to say that the psalmist, he enjoys his Bible. 10 times, he says he delights in the Bible. 11 times, he says he loves the Bible. Well, today I wanna help you enjoy time with God through daily devotion, through prayer. But to get there, I think we need to answer a few fundamental questions about the Bible. And the first fundamental question is, what even is it? What is the Bible? Okay, what, why is this Bible, why is this book different from other books? What makes this book special? What is the Bible? Well, Holy Bible means holy book. Okay, the Bible is different from other books because it is a holy book. It, it's not like any other book out there. It, it, it's set apart. It's holy. It's also, uh, it's, it's also special because of how it was constructed. Okay, it contains 66 separate books 
39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and a little bit in Aramaic. And you know where we find that little piece of Aramaic at? You know what book that's found in? Anybody know? The book of Daniel. Okay, that we covered that little section. There was a little section of Aramaic there. Over a period of more than a thousand years by more than 40 authors of varying ages and backgrounds who wrote on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Authors of the Bible include kings and peasants and philosophers and fishermen and poets and statesmen and scholars. The books of the Bible cover history and sermons and letters and songs and love letters. There are geographical surveys. There are architectural specifications. There are travel diaries, population statistics, family trees, which is, you know, we're all a fan of reading those family trees. Inventories, numerous legal documents. It covers hundreds of controversial subjects with amazing unity. And it's also the best-selling book of all time and is now available in nearly 3,000 languages. That's the Bible. There's, there's no other book like this on the planet. That's, that's what the Bible is. What though, question two, what's the Bible about? Okay, some of you, you see your Bible and you see this big, giant, thick thing and it, it, it intimidates you. Like, oh my gosh, I could never master this book. I could never fully understand. I've never read that many pages in my whole life. You could totally do it. I want you to know today, you can totally do it. God wants to commune with you through his word. He's given you his word. He wants to meet with you through his word and he wants you to communicate with him through your prayers. So what is the Bible about? Well, to get there, first I wanna talk about some misconceptions about the Bible. There are three common misconceptions about the Bible. The first is that the Bible is just a book of rules. Anybody ever hear that from somebody? Maybe, maybe your kids maybe thought that growing up. The Bible is just a book of rules. Now, who here wants to read a book of rules? No hands are going up for a good reason. Okay, no, we don't like reading rules. I remember one time, I wasn't gonna share this, but I guess I will. I used to own a boat and uh, I used to wakeboard all the time. And I was at Buena Vista Lake one time, the sun was setting, everyone was off the water. And so we're like, well, you know, let's just forget the rules right now and let's just go swim. No, no flag up, no nothing. Me and my friends, we're just listening to music, having a good time swimming. We think no one's watching. It was, it was a lot of fun until I pulled up to the dock. Because when I pulled up to the dock, uh, a park ranger came stomping down the dock at me and he, he points at me, he says, you, out of the boat right now. And I'm like, oh my goodness, he, this is not good. So he, apparently he was watching me with binoculars from the sidelines, okay? We thought that we were just, you know, no one was around and we could just chill. He was watching us. He walked me over to this sign uh, next to the dock. The sign had all the rules. He's all, did you read these before you went in the water? I'm like, no, who reads rules, right? Like, no, I didn't. But he's all, do you know what rules you broke on this sign? And I'm like, oh man, I don't even know. I think I may have broken all of them. I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. So I just started going through each rule. I'm like, uh, I think I broke that rule and I broke that rule and I broke that rule. And he said, yeah, you didn't. Because you're honest, I'm gonna let you go free. And he let me go free. That being said, I didn't read that sign of rules because nobody likes to read rules, right? Nobody likes to read rules. I want you to know today, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm not a rule breaker anymore, just so you know. Um, that, was, that was BC, before Christ. That was before I, was, I, was, I knew Jesus. I want you to know today, the Bible's not a book of rules. The Bible is a story of God's love for mankind. It's a story about God and his purpose for the world. 
It's not a list of rules. There are some rules in it, but that's not what the Bible exists for. It doesn't exist. Nobody wants to read a book of rules. Another misconception about the Bible is that it's a story of myths and fables that inspire people to live better. And so some people will say, you know, the Bible, it's, it's a cool book because, you know, it inspires people to, to make good choices with their life, but it's not actually historical. It's not actually true. It can't actually be trusted. It's just, it's just a story of myths and fables. And, and, here, and if you believe that, you're never gonna read the Bible because there are, other, there are better myths and fables out there. Like this is thousands of years old, these, these, these books in the Bible, right? Why would you read that? You could get that from, you know, doc, Dr. Seuss can teach you how to live better. But the Bible isn't necessarily about making you live better. The, the Bible also is not a story of myths and fables. We, we learned in the book of Daniel that the Bible is history, historical fact. There, we talked about actual nations, actual archaeological, archaeological evidence. We talked about actual kings, actual times, actual events. The Bible is not a story of myths and fables that are about, you know, just helping you live better. Another common misconception, and this one, and I'm not trying to, if you've ever called it this, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but oftentimes we think about the Bible as, a, as an owner's manual. The Bible is a book about you. But the Bible starts off with, in the beginning, what? God. The Bible isn't a book about us. The Bible is first and foremost, a book about God. And this is important because as you read the Bible, if you're only reading every verse to be like, what does this say about me? You're gonna be let down at times because not every verse is about you. Okay, the, the scriptures are written for us, but they're not written exactly directly to us. Okay, the Bible is not about us. The Bible is about God. And here's the cool thing though. When we learn about God, guess what we learn about? Ourselves. The more we understand about God, the more we understand about ourselves. So what then is the Bible? Well, the best definition for the Bible actually comes from a kid's Bible, the one that I read to my kids, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Okay, so if you have little kids or you grandchildren, you're looking for a good Bible to read with your kids at nighttime, get this, this Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible. It talks about how Jesus is in every chapter of the Bible, in every Bible story, there's a, a glimpse of Jesus. And, and this is what uh, uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones says about the Bible. It's the best definition out there, better than, than any theological book. This is what she says. Now, some people, this is why I teach my kids, think that the Bible is a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it. They show you how life works best, but the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Other people think that the Bible is a book of heroes showing you people you should copy, maybe these myths and fables that inspire you to live a better life. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll soon find out, most, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. I just wanna point out, if your name is in the Bible, you're usually not very proud of that, okay? Because as amazing as some of these men and women were in the Bible, not only do we see their amazing side, but we also see the side that no, no one wants to, like we see the real side, the dark side, the sinful side. Because as we talked about last week, we talked about heaven last week. It's not that there are, you know, good people. It's heaven is a place where good people go. Heaven is a place where forgiven people go. Amen. You and I are all in need of forgiveness. 
every character in the Bible is in need of forgiveness, except for one character, and his name is Jesus Christ. Most people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid, they run away. At times, they're downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero, Jesus, who came from a far country, heaven, to win back his lost treasure, us. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the ones he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the Bible, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. That is the Bible. That's the Bible. The Bible is not about us or what we should do. It's about Jesus and what Jesus has done. In fact, the whole purpose of the Bible is is to point to Jesus. All of the Old Testament prepares the way for Jesus. The New Testament talks about the life of Jesus and then the epistles look back upon the life of Jesus. And then then Revelation points forward to the return of who? The return of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. C.H. Spurgeon says the story, oops, yeah, there it is. From every passage of scripture, there is a road to Christ. You can see Jesus in everything in scripture. Moses is a picture of Jesus. Adam is a picture of Jesus. Uh, Every major figure, the tabernacle is a picture of Jesus. The nation of Israel, a picture of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so let me tell you my definition real quick. Hit it really fast as mine. The Bible is a historical story about God and his imminent involvement with the world he made. It's a salvation story that progressively reveals God's plan for redeeming and restoring our broken world through the person and work of Jesus Christ, his son. The Bible encompasses all of history, past, present, and future, and reveals God's good and perfect will for all that he has made. I did not add that, by the way, Reverend Dr. Ricky Hemi. Thank you guys up there. I did not not add that. Um, Thanks, Annie. I'm guessing that was you. Okay, where am I now? All right, so that's what the Bible is. Number three, what makes the Bible different from other books? Why is it different? You know, there's so many books out there. There's so many books that you could find on a shelf. There there are lots of books that can tell you history, lots of books that can tell you, you know, self-help stuff. There's lots of books that can, you know, give you some good sound advice. What makes this book different? I wanna give you three characteristics that set the Bible apart from other books. And the first is that the Bible is the word of God. There's no other book like this because there's no other book on the planet that is breathed out by the God of heaven. This is a special book, a living book, because it's a God-breathed, God-inspired book. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, lacking in nothing, equipped for every good work. The Bible is inspired. The the doctrine of inspiration teaches that the various human authors were supernaturally inspired by God through the Holy Spirit to record the sacred words of scripture. And what's so amazing about inspiration is that it's a reminder that God has not left himself without witness. He reveals himself to mankind. He wants to be known by you. And so he makes himself known to you. He reveals himself. 
And in fact, in theology, we like to point out, and this is something we, we get from scripture, but there are two primary ways that God makes himself known to mankind, okay? So, so God leaves himself, his fingerprints are everywhere. No one can say at the end of the day, oh God, I didn't know you were real. I didn't know you were out there. I didn't know you exist. Romans says that the person who says that God doesn't exist, they're actually actively holding God back. Everybody knows deep down God is real. Everybody knows deep down that life is forever. We, have, we are made of two parts, body and soul. We will all live forever. Everybody knows deep down that that is true, but some people choose to suppress that truth and to hold God back. But God continues to show himself in two ways. One is through something called special revelation. Okay, we're getting a little, you know, theology 101 stuff here. Um, we call our general revelation. Sorry, general revelation. General revelation is God's revelation of himself through the created world. We also call this natural revelation. One way that God makes himself known to the world is through the created order. Okay, we, we, see, we see the human body and we're like, wow, this is not, it's not an accident. You aren't the result of time, matter, and chance. You aren't some random event that just happened in, in, out of a random explosion. You are formed together, knit together in a very special and intricate way. And when you see creation, when you see the seasons, when you see, you, you, you get a magnifying glass and you, in, in a microscope and you look at the world, you can see that there is an intelligent designer behind everything. God makes himself known. His fingerprints are everywhere through general revelation. John Calvin, he says it this way. God daily places himself in our view. We cannot open our eyes without being compelled to behold him. His fingerprints are everywhere. The thing is, as awesome as natural revelation is, we learn that there is a God through natural revelation, but we don't learn how to get to God through natural revelation. You see, general revelation alone cannot save because whose name must we believe in in order to be saved? You guys remember the name of Jesus. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you can learn a lot about God by observing the created order, but you can't learn about salvation by observing the created order. And so there's another level of revelation, God making himself known to us. That's through special Revelation. Special revelation is God's supernatural revelation of the way of salvation. Okay, he, he doesn't just make himself known, but then he makes, goes further, a step further, and makes himself, get, lets us know how to get to him because we've been cut off from him. How do we get back to God? Well, he does this through special revelation. And one of the means of special revelation is his word. John Calvin also says this. He says, if men were taught only by nature, they would hold to nothing certain or solid or clear cut, but would be so tied to confused principles as to worship an unknown God. God makes himself known through the created order, but he makes himself known more completely through special revelation. General revelation reveals God as creator. Special revelation reveals God as savior. That's why God has blessed us with the pages of scripture to make us aware of his plan and purpose of salvation in the work of his son, Jesus Christ. The question is, do you read his book? 
Not just do you read his book in church when we're talking about his book at church, but do you read his book throughout the week? Is, is God's word informing you and in how you live your life? Are you being strengthened through his inerrant, living, active word? Or are you just going through life willy-nilly, just following whatever random advice is out there and just, you know, just hoping things work out? Or are you living life according to God's word? I remember the first time, so I told you guys, you know, BC, you know, I made a lot of cho- bad choices before I knew Christ. Um, maybe some of you, uh, you know, relate to that. When I met Jesus, though, I'll never forget the first time I read the Bible after I had the Holy Spirit. I opened this book that had been sitting in my closet for years and years and years and years. I forgot it even existed until one day I came to Christ and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a Bible. Somebody got me a Bible, they even put my name on it. And, and it just, you know, I closed it up and hid it away and I never looked at it again. And, uh, and then I became a Christian. I opened up that book after receiving the Holy Spirit. And I, I will never forget that moment because in that moment, I, I just remember vividly feeling and sensing God was speaking directly to me. When you open up your Bible, God is speaking directly to you. He has a word for you to strengthen you and and, and, and lift you up and to, to teach you about himself. He wants to commune with you and he does it through his word. Is that Bible coming off of your shelf or can you, you know, go over your Bible right now and, and write something out of the dust that's been settling on it for the last few months or years? I want to encourage you to hunger and thirst for the Bible. The Bible is different because the Bible is the word of God, but it's also different because it's authoritative. I'm going to move faster here. The Bible is authoritative. Jesus says, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That means the Bible is the highest authority in life. Uh, Wayne Grudem, a great theologian, he says, the words of the Bible are God's words and therefore to disbelieve or disobey any word in scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. And so those who see the Bible as authoritative, they they say, God, I'm not above your word. I'm gonna come under your word. And there are times where it's gonna be hard to come under your word because I don't quite get it. And I don't, maybe I'm not all the way there yet, but I'm gonna trust you and believe in you that you know me better than I know me. You know humans better than we think we know humans. And so I'm gonna trust you. I'm not gonna go above you. I'm gonna come under you because your word is authoritative. And that's why here at South Valley, you might notice when I preach, I don't give you a lot of you know, personal advice from me because I'm just a regular guy. What I try to bring you week after week is the word of God. God. Because if I have anything worth saying, it's going to come out of that book. That said, a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And so you're going to have to wrestle with that in your own life. Am I going to trust God's word even when it challenges me, even when it's hard, or I'm gonna go look for somebody to will preach something that I want to hear because I don't want to be challenged or come under the word of God. A time is coming where it's gonna be popular to abandon orthodox Christian thought, strong doctrine, and go after whatever we feel like hearing. Number three, the third thing that makes the Bible different is that the Bible is inerrant. Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord, that's, 
the, the Bible is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony, that's the Bible again, is, of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. He's using synonyms for Bible, commandment, precepts, law. Uh, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules, that's again, another synonym for Bible of the Lord are true and righteous all together. The Bible is different because it is inerrant, meaning it does not err. Wayne Grudem says the Bible always tells the truth concerning everything it talks about. The final question though is this, what makes the Bible different or what difference will the Bible make in my life? You see, many of us, that's the big question we have. What, what difference will this even make in my marriage, in how I parent, in how I go through singleness and how I do my job, what difference will this even make? Well, the first thing I want you to see about scripture is that the Bible will actually light your path. If you ever feel like you are walking in the dark or you don't know where to go, the Bible will light your path. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, I'm gonna show you guys a picture really quick. Uh, I have a picture of my daughter here. This is my daughter when she was one. Uh, yeah, she was about one. And she used to do this thing, very bizarre, where she'd take a, a, a popcorn bucket and she'd walk around the house with a bucket on her head. And then she'd slam into a wall and fall down and look at me like, what just happened? I'm like, what do you mean, what just happened? You think you, think you could see through? And she'd pick the bucket back up, put it on her head, take off running full speed and slam into a wall and start crying. And she'd look at me like, oh my goodness, what is going on? This is, this is not fair. This is not right. Why is this happening to me? The world is against me. I can't believe that I, I'm going through this right now. And she, she, so I had to, I had to you know, take the bucket from her so she wouldn't do that anymore. But here's the thing. The Bible says that it's, it will light the path before you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The problem is this. Some of us, we're going through life and we're hitting walls and we're struggling. And we don't know what we're doing. And we, we're, we're wondering like, why is nothing working out for us? Why do I, you know, I take one step in the right direction. Then I hit a wall or I, I you know, I, I start seeing some success and then I, I trip and fall and, and, and I talk to people and, and they, they're, you know, they come to me with these, these questions and the whole time they're talking to me like this. Like, why doesn't God like help me? Why, why is God not for me? I'm like, dude, take the bucket off your head and then you'll see in front of you. You see, so many people in life, they want God's blessing but they're living with a bucket on their head. God's word is clear. He lights the path before you, but some of us choose to just ignore that path and live with a bucket on our head. And then we wonder why we crash and burn and fall and, and find ourselves in hard and dark places. Well, cause you, you, you're, you have a bucket on your head. Some of us need to take the bucket off of our head. We're crashing and burning because we're not trusting God and what he says. We're crashing and burning because we're not obeying. We don't like to talk a lot about obedience, but obedience matters. There, there's blessing that goes along with obeying what God says, trusting what God says. But some of us want to just ignore, we'll, take and, we'll pick and choose what pieces of scripture we wanna to listen to and then what other ones we don't wanna to listen to. And so we'll, we'll do good over here and then we'll put our bucket on our head over there and then we'll crash and fall and we'll wonder like, why did this relationship not work out? Why did, why did I find myself in this hard spot? Why am I addicted to this thing now? Why am I, what, what, why am I going through? 
you put a bucket on your head, you hit a wall, and now you're wondering what happened. It's time to see with clear vision. God's word lays out a path for us that is bright. He shows us a way to thrive. And so my encouragement to you, if you you wanna see the Bible make a difference in your life, stop doing things your way and trust in God's way. Only you could do that though. Only you could do that. That's between you and him. You could keep doing the same thing over and over again, or you could choose today, you know what, God, I'm going to take you at your word and I am going to trust you even when it doesn't make total sense. The second way that the Bible makes a difference in our lives is that the Bible helps us grow. Okay, uh, Isaiah 55, 10 says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah here compares the Bible to rain. This morning, we got a little bit of rain. So that was amazing. We need more rain. Because here's the thing. When rain falls upon vegetation, what happens to that vegetation when it is met by rain? It grows. But when vegetation is lacking rain, what happens to that vegetation? It withers and it dies. Okay, we know living in California, the damage that a lack of rain can cause. Some of you in this room today are feeling withered up because you're not allowing God's word to rain on you daily. When God's word rains on you and you hear him through his Holy Spirit and you talk to him through prayer, you are like a plant that is being watered and you begin to flourish and you begin to thrive. But when you stop hearing from God and you stop being rained on, you naturally shrivel up, you naturally become gaunt, you, you start to, you, you start, your soul starts to look dead on the inside. Some of you feel like a withered up plant. So if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling withered today, then you need rain. Let God's love rain on you and strengthen you through his word. Daily time, hearing from him. Guys, there's, you could do this in the car when you're driving. You could do this in the morning when you wake up. You could do this in the nighttime before bed. You could do this at lunch. You could listen to the word. I mean, I, don't read the word while you're driving, just so you know. Um, you can listen. There's so many ways now to get the word. We can listen to it daily. Let God's word rain on you and ask God to help you and strengthen you. Now, if some of you are feeling like, you know, I don't need to grow. I need a new life. Like, I'm not trying to just grow right now. I'm trying to turn my whole life around. You talked about this is the end of the, the year. It's coming quickly. And, and when I look back at this year, I'm like, man, I am not proud of any of my choices. And I don't know how to get on track. I don't know how to turn things around. Well, look at what else God's word does. It says, not only does it rain down on us, but instead of the thorn, so when the rain it comes down on us, we grow. And then it does something special here. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. It shall make a name for the Lord and everlasting, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The briar bush is a thorny bush. No one wants to be a briar bush. Nobody likes a briar bush. The myrtle tree is a beautiful green tree. And so what he's saying here is this, when God's word goes out, And when God's word rains on people, 
two things happen. One is they can grow because they're hearing from God. Or two, if, if they're lost and they're broken and they need a new life, it actually transforms people. The, 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 the myrtle, the, the briar shall come up. Wait, instead of the briar shall come up, instead of a thorny bush shall come up a, a green, beautiful bush. When God's rain falls down upon lifeless, brittle, broken, thorny plants, they're miraculously transformed into something beautiful. That is why we preach week in and week out, we preach the word because I believe when God's word goes out, it never returns void, never. People who are shriveling are built up. People who are thorny and broken and, and feeling ugly all over are transformed into something beautiful. God's word grows us. God's word transforms us. That's why we need God's word as a daily part of our lives, a daily appetite, hunger for him, enjoying our Bible, enjoying listening to him and hearing from him. Finally, the last point to this is the Bible feeds your soul. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You and I, we're made up of two parts, body and soul. C.S. Lewis famously says, he says, you, you don't have a soul, you are a soul and you have a body. If our souls are so important, then why do we neglect feeding them? Americans, I don't know if you know this, but we spend 60 billion annually on things like weight loss, 12 billion annually on things like plastic surgery, 55 billion annually on things like beauty products. But ask us to spend 20 minutes a day feeding our soul and we're like, no, I don't have any time for that. You are a soul first. This body, I, I, I hate to point it out and it's, it's just a reality. These bodies will one day find themselves sewn into the ground. But you know what will we'll go on to live after your body is sown into the ground? Your soul. Jesus, when he sees every person in this room, you know what he sees? Your soul. God looks at who you are on the inside. Who are you today on the inside? Are you somebody who's flourishing? Are you somebody who's growing into Christ-likeness? Are you somebody who looks back year after year after year and can say, yeah, I can see God's fingerprints all over my life. I'm hearing from him, I'm trusting him, I'm growing and I'm, I'm strong inside my body though. My body may look pretty weak. I, in fact, it is weak. I hate this body, it's, it hurts. I struggle with it. I, 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 you know, I, 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 but you know what? Doesn't matter what comes my way because I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be going through hard times on the outside, my body looks like what it looks like, but on the inside, I'm doing amazing because I have the steady flow and resources of the stream of God. God's word is raining down on me. I'm growing, I'm maturing, I'm thriving because I hear his voice and I'm trusting him and I'm walking with him. It doesn't matter what the world throws at me. I will grow, I will thrive, I will prosper because God is speaking to me every day and he loves me. Yeah. So how can you begin to enjoy your Bible today? Number one is read it. On the back of your notes, there should be something called soap. This is something that I like to teach people. Like if you're looking for an easy thing to do, you need, you've got 20 minutes, 15 minutes in the morning to, or whatever, to read your Bible for the day. Soap, scripture, write down a scripture that stands out. 
Observation, write down that observation of that text. Application, write down a simple application from that text. Prayer, pray over it. That's a simple way to do Bible study every day, something that I like to do, soap. Number two, pray the Bible. You, you wanna read the Bible? You wanna grow your prayer life? Pray over the Bible. Let God's word inform your prayer life. Pray over scripture. And finally, number three, or number three, memorize the Bible. Earlier this year, we memorized 25 verses as a church. The beginning of next year, we're gonna memorize 25 new verses as a church. Memorize it, pull out those old verses, start memorizing new verses, get the Bible into your soul. And finally, number four, study the Bible in community. Many of you are doing this now through Rooted. Some of you this new year, when we start new groups, you're gonna need to take this step, or maybe you're feeling like you need to take that step today. God wants to speak to you through his inerrant word. He loves you, he cares about you, he wants to see you prosper. I hope you know that today. I'm gonna to pray for us. God, thank you for this chance to open your word today, challenging us, strengthening us. We wanna be a people who are all about you, put you first and come under your teaching, under your scriptures. Um, Lord, as we close out with a song, I just pray that our hearts would be bare, that you would rain down on us. If we need transformation, transform us. If we need growth, grow us. Help us to leave here today with the joy and confidence that you bring in the face of a world that can be trying and troubling at times. You will make us grow no matter what. We love you, Lord. Jesus, we praise you and we lift up this day to you. I pray this in God's name and all people said, amen. amen.